It is my pleasure to be with you here today. I feel like God has placed a word in my heart. And I want to talk to you about being prepared for what's next in life. Being prepared for what's next. We at Grace Assembly are going through some transitions where we are preparing for what's next for us. There's some plans in place and there's some steps to be taken. And so when it comes to anything in life, if you're on any particular journey, there are steps along the way in order to complete that journey. There's steps that you have to take, and if you don't take them, you might miss uh, your desired destination. And so I want to talk to you today about one such important journey. It is attending a sporting event. Now, I I think some of you are pulling away, but I don't want anyone to miss out here at Grace Assembly on what it means to participate in a sporting event. The first step that you take in going to a sporting event should be pretty obvious. You have to buy a ticket. Do you know that they check those at the gate? They won't let you in. So you have to buy a ticket, and if you don't have a ticket, you don't have a seat. And so... That is a very important first step for you to take. But how many of you know it doesn't stop there? If you buy a ticket, you're not magically transported, teleported over to your seat. If you buy a ticket, you have to actually show up to the game. And if you don't show up, then it doesn't matter whether you bought the ticket or not. You didn't reach your desired destination. You didn't take that next step. So what do you do after you buy your ticket and after you show up? Well, some would argue the tailgate. Does everyone know what a tailgate is? For those of you who don't know, it involves you spending a cold uh, evening out in the cold in in an exhaust-filled parking lot. You're grilling hot dogs. You're eating chili out of a crock pot. You have hot coffee or hot cocoa. I do know that there are some tailgates that have other beverages as well, but being the sanctified bunch that we are, we're not going to get into that. But we have this tailgate. There's food. There's fun. There's uh, getting together with friends. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But I have seen tailgaters get so consumed with what is going on in the moment that they fail to reach their destination. They never make it to the game. And so I want to tell these people, you're having a good time. It's connected to the event. It is a part of the experience, but there's something greater. There's something next. After the tailgate, you have to actually get to the arena. And so when you go to the arena, you have to spend time, sometimes in a ridiculously long line. You have people trying to get in front of you. You go up there. You have to go through a metal detector. You have to uh, empty your pockets. Praise God we don't have to take off shoes but because no one wants to smell that. But you... you You go through all of that, you get your tickets scanned, but how many of you know that just because you get into the arena doesn't mean that that guarantees that you get to your seat? And so there's so many different things, so so many side attractions that are a part of the main event. 
Things like if you go to the Dome, there's Club 44. You could spend your entire evening in there. You can go and visit the gift shop. You can visit the concession stands. And so if you participate in all of these side attractions that are a part of the main event, but if you never move it to your seat, you will miss out on the reason why you are there. I have actually witnessed this a couple of times, but I've witnessed two dudes hanging out in the hallway, talking to each other before the game starts, and then when I get back out into that hallway at halftime, the two dudes are still talking to each other. I want to bonk their heads together and say, don't you know what's next? There's something so much more interesting than yakking in a crowded hallway talking to some guy that you can call at any moment. You see the thing that you have in your hand? It's called a cell phone. You're in everybody else's way. Move on to what's next. Finally, you get to your seat. For me, I cannot relax until I get into my seat. I'm there 30 minutes before if I can, if I can help it. But you know what? Without fail, I see multiple people who go through all of that effort, go through all of that expense just to get to their seat and then leave before it's over. Can you even count? Can you even count it if you don't finish it? You can take a look at all of these steps and you can say that all of them are technically connected to the event. All of them are part of the experience. And some of them are even necessary in order for you to get to the game. But if you spend too much time on one step, or if you skip a step altogether, you end up missing out on what God has for you. You end up missing out what is next. I think for followers of Christ, we can get stuck, can't we? We may not mean to. We may intend to follow Jesus. We may intend to do his will. But sometimes we're just not ready when God calls us to the next thing in life. And I think there's a way that we can solve that. I think it involves us simply being present. Now, what do I mean by that? Pastor Doug has alluded to a book that we have been reading as a leadership team called All There by Dr. Gail Johnson. And that book is essentially about being present in life so that you can make healthy decisions. And so Dr. Johnson makes an observation. She says that Christians can can sometimes make a mistake at looking at Christianity as an event that is entirely in the past or entirely in the future. And both of these things are wrong. You see, God never intended for us to live in the past. He never intended for us to live in the future. What he intended for us is to live right here, right now, because he's working to move right here and right now. We may have a past that we can fall back on and say, praise God that he has worked and moved in my life, but that is all to prepare you for right here, right now. We have a glorious future ahead of us in which 
uh, Christ is calling us heavenward so that we could spend eternity with him. But guess what? We have the privilege of being right here, right now, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ so that as many people as possible can spend eternity with him. That is the glorious hope that we have in Jesus Christ, is, is that we are called to live right here, right now. I want to uh, explore this a little bit further on what it means to live Christianity as a past event. If you're living Christianity as if it was a past event, you may be tempted to view becoming a Christian as something that happened in the past. It's a single event. You checked it off your list. You may have prayed the prayer. You may have responded to the preacher, but you don't feel that there's anything more that you need to do. Church, that is a lie. And it is a lie from the pit of hell. There is nothing more, there is something more to Christianity than a single solitary moment in the past where you recognized you need a Savior. Jesus is present, Jesus is interactive, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He sent his Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. You were never meant to meet Christ and then live without him. We have to be present in what Christ is looking to do right here, right now. And when we are present, we are prepared for what's next. The other component of living Christianity as a past event is we can get so caught up in nostalgic moments that we miss what is going on in the present. There's a lot of things that God has done and we can praise him for, amen? We need to remind ourselves of that. But if we get so caught up in nostalgic moments, we can make statements like this. This is when church was really church. We did things right back then. Folks, remember when the Israelites were in the desert and God wanted to provide water for them, he had a couple of opportunities to do so. The first time he told Moses to smack a rock, amen? And so Moses smacked a rock and water came out of it. But then there was another time. And God wanted to provide water again. But he, he did something different, didn't he? He told Moses to speak to the rock instead. Now here's my question. Why in the world did God do it differently? The old way was better, right? The old way made sense. It worked. So why didn't he tell Moses to smack the rock again? I think it's because that humanity is, uh, it, I think it's because God recognizes that humanity loves to be content with rituals and methods so much that they end up relying on those same rituals and methods more than the God of the universe who they are supposed to point to. So today, it's not about methods. It's not about rituals. It is about being present to worship Jesus Christ. Amen? And so for some of us, we have been living so much in the past that God is trying to move us into the future and saying there's something better, there's something more, there's something next. 
And so for, for us, being present means that we take a look at our own lives and we say, I need to take a change in my employment because God is moving me to something next. I might need to move my physical location and move maybe even to another state because Christ is moving me to something that is next. For some of us, we may take a look at our own individual lives and we are struggling with things. We might be struggling with a sickness or a disease. We may be struggling with an addiction. We may be struggling with sin and with some particular sin that we're trying to have victory over. And today, God is saying, I am present with you. I want to deliver you. I want to take you to this next step forward. You just simply have to follow me and I will take you to what is next. Church, we have to stop living off of what Jesus did yesterday. He wants to do something today. Going back to our book, there is an equal danger in living Christianity as if it were entirely a future event. Dr. Johnson argues that there are Christians that are trudging through life, suffering through it, simply waiting for Christ's return. Church, Christ has provided the miracle, uh, church, Christ has provided the, a miracle in that we are able to not only have salvation, but we are able to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is quite the miracle. It is something to look forward to, amen? But there is something that is just as miraculous as that, just as important, just as life-giving, And that is the fact that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, the presence of the living God rests inside of us. You have the promise of being empowered by God Almighty so that you can move on to what is next in this life. You have the promise of the spirit of the living God with all of his power, with all of his might, with all of his goodness working inside of you so that you can be transformed into who God has called you to be. Church, we have to be present to what God wants to do in us today. We have to ask ourselves, what is next? Will you turn with me to Luke chapter 9? starting at verse 28. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through verse 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. 
a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Now, who would be interested in witnessing an event like that? This event was known as the Transfiguration, and it was an epic moment. These disciples had already seen some pretty incredible things already with Jesus, but now they have seen something that takes the cake. They literally saw his face change. He became a transformer. It was like, and his face completely changed. And that's not all. As if that wasn't enough, that wasn't all that happened. He started to glow. He became shiny. And that's not all. He, these, these disciples who had grown up uh, looking up to certain Old Testament figures and looking up to them, and now two of these Old Testament heroes are now here. And so two of their heroes show up. By the way, they're still dead. They have passed away, and now they're here talking with Jesus. And guess what? They're shiny too. That is a great event to witness. Who wouldn't think that that was a powerful moment? Who wouldn't be overwhelmed at that moment? We, at times, can look at Peter as an idiot because of some of the crazy things that he says, but can you honestly say that you would be in your right mind should that unfold before your very eyes? I know that I would say stupid things too. In fact, I say a lot of stupid things even without my Lord and Savior transfiguring before my very eyes. So I think at times we need to give Peter a break. This is an epic moment, and he's thinking, surely there's nothing more. Surely this is it. We need to stay here in this moment. I love how Luke records Peter's crazy statement. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. Now hear me out. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then Luke puts this thing in parentheses. He really didn't know what he was saying. I'm sure Peter thought that this is the single greatest moment in my life. What's more important than this? And obviously they didn't stay there. Scripture doesn't record Peter uh, Peter going to build. And why is that? Because that was not their destination. That was not their destination. Part of getting into a habit of asking what's next is developing a firm understanding of where God has taken us and the path to get there. And along that path, we have the privilege in taking part in various things. We get to reach out to the lost. We get to disciple others. We get to minister to the poor. We get to enjoy our families. We get to enjoy creation. All of these things are wonderful, but they are not in of themselves our final destination. They may be part of it. They may be something that God has even called us to participate in, 
but in of themselves, these things are not the final destination. What is our final destination? It is to be present with Jesus Christ. Because when you're present with Jesus Christ, he then puts everything else into perspective. The pain that you are going through, then guess what? That doesn't matter because Jesus is our healer. You don't know where to go ahead, then guess what? It's okay because Jesus will lead and guide you and direct your footsteps. So being present is where we are at our destination, and we have the privilege of just making various different stops along the way. When you think about it, the disciples were already following Jesus, weren't they? They were preaching about Jesus. They were praying in Jesus' name for the sick, and the sick were getting healed. They were feeding the hungry, They were already on the right path. It's not like they fell off the path and they didn't know what they were doing and they were committing all sorts of sin. They were on the right path. They just got caught up in the moment and they failed to realize this isn't the right destination. I wonder what the conversations looked like when the disciples would get together and they would share their stories about what happened when Jesus was with them. I imagine some of them would laugh because of their response. And I wonder what Peter would say to to, to the other disciples after all of this had taken place. I'd imagine the conversation going like this. Hey, okay, I was here You're Matthew, you weren't there before, so let me tell you what happened. Jesus, his face changed. And then he got really shiny, so shiny that it was difficult to actually look directly at him. And then I had a crazy idea, and I went and told Jesus, I'm having such a good time here, I don't want this to end. Maybe I could build three shelters, okay? I'll build three shelters, and I'll build one for you, Jesus, the creator of the universe, because if there's anything that God Almighty needs, he needs a hastily built shelter to fit his omnipresent butt into. Oh, the two dudes that are with you? Yeah, they're dead, and they're visiting from the beyond. But guess what? We have shelter, guys. And in all of this, I didn't even suggest to build a shelter for myself. What happens if it rained? Don't worry, the creator of the universe and his two Old Testament ghosts have a roof over their head, but I'm out in the rain. It's a crazy, it's a crazy situation. But if the disciples' destination wasn't building a shelter and staying there for all of eternity then what was really next for them? We can find that answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, (coughs) excuse me, it is God's desire for us 
to undergo our own transfiguration. You see, God never saved you so that you could continue to stay the same person that you are. I have spent an enormous amount of my time in my life before I finally submitted to Jesus Christ trying to fix my problems, trying to be a better person, trying to be the best preacher possible. And guess what? It took for me to fully submit to Jesus Christ, spend time in his presence before I can make any headway, before I could have any victory, before anything that was of any eternal consequence could take place, I had to submit to the only one who was able to take me to what's next. So church, today, where is your destination? Is it to be present with Jesus? We pursue him to the point that we allow ourselves to be transformed to look like him. We are present so that when he is taking us to our next step, we are ready to move. Church, we are ready as a corporate body to move our place of worship to West Tennessee Street. But guess what? That doesn't mean that God stops moving, amen? God still is moving. He still is filling us. He still is saving. He still is healing. He still is directing our footsteps. We have to let go of the past and allow us to take the next step in what Christ is leading us to. Amen? So there is the corporate sense of what God is taking us to, and there's the individual sense. The question remains, are we ready? Are we ready for what's next? Not only do we need to be certain of our destination, but we must follow the command to start. To start. Imagine if the disciples didn't move on from that moment and Peter built his shelters as a shrine of what God did in the past. What would that have looked like going forward? Would the world have even heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because they're stuck there in that moment. Would those people end up spending time any further with Jesus Christ? Because guess what? Jesus moved on from there, didn't he? So if they remain stuck in that moment, they are no longer spending time in the presence of the Lord. All they needed to know is that there was something more, and all they needed to do was start that next step in their life. A great example of starting a next step is God leading the Israelites through the desert. I love that story and I bring it up often because it perfectly illustrates the brokenness of humanity and our need of God's rescue. The people of Israel walk through the, the desert miraculously to their destination, which is the promised land. And they finally get to the edge of the promised land, they're about to cross over, and then they chickened out. They said, oh no, giants! Now God has already done miraculous things up to that point, right? But then they look ahead, they look ahead at what's next, and instead of starting that next step, that next chapter, they wig out, they get fearful, they get uncomfortable, and instead of taking that next step, they plant their feet and say, I'm not going to go any further from here. God would, would have been with them, right? We sang about that. He has been with us. Why would he fail us now? 
And so God, in his infinite mercy, spends all of his time with us, has his presence living on the inside of us, and when we are ready to move on to that next step, we can either move on in faith that the God of the universe is taking those steps with us, or we can be in fear and say, I'm not going to move forward. Church, that's called disobedience. We have to start. Just like the Israelites, God is well acquainted with our grief and our struggles. He knows the battles we are facing. He knows how the enemy is opposing us. We have the promise that we are not fighting this battle alone. Instead, we are fighting with the Lord Almighty. David understood this principle well. You had the entire nation of Israel quaking in their boots because they see Goliath in front of them. And instead of going out to fight Goliath, they are cowering in fear. But Peter, or not Peter, David, is, Peter wasn't there yet. <laughs> gotta get, I got to get my characters right. Um, David wasn't afraid, was he? Was it because he was strong? Was it because he was smart? Was it because he was capable? It says in scripture that David wasn't afraid because God was there with him and that he would fight the battles. Church, all we have to do is start. We have to take that next step. And when we do, God Almighty will be there with us every step of the way. Now, we can take all of this encouragement and we can walk around in confidence we can walk around in boldness because after all, God is with me. But guess what? There's something else a part of the equation, isn't there? Because God didn't call for us to simply spend time in his presence. He called us to serve the people around us. And so for us, we have the integral task that as we go into all of the world, we are to preach the gospel and we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our goal. And so how do we accomplish this? Well, at Grace Assembly, thankfully, that is our main goal here, is to make disciples. There are so many opportunities for, he, for you to be involved in lifting up the name of Jesus and to serve your fellow human. All you have to do is take that next step. So what does that next step look like? Well, you have a QR code in front of you. If you scan that QR code and then hit Serving with Grace, we have a whole team that has worked really hard at getting this system up and running, and they would love to connect you with the right ministry so that you can make a difference with your service. All you have to do is start. All you have to do is take that next step. But guess what? It doesn't end there because guess what? There are more to life than just the four walls of this church. It's really interesting sometimes when I meet some of you outside of the four walls of this church and it's like you're surprised. You're like, oh, you're shopping too? I, I, I tend to like food. Guess what? There's more than just the four walls of this church. We are called to reach the lost, amen? And so that means 
that wherever we go, wherever we are, we preach the name of Jesus. And so when you are in your job, you preach the name of Jesus to your coworkers. When you are in a family setting, you preach the name of Jesus to your family. It means that wherever you go, whoever you meet, you have the task of preaching the name of Jesus. All you have to do is start. So my question to you, whether it is your own individual development in Christ or whether it is your responsibilities of serving humanity for the sake of the gospel, what's next for you? Have you been missing out on what God has called you to do? And if so, what needs to take place in order for you to start this journey right again? It's not too late. All you have to do is start. Finally, here's what is really important. Because you can know where you are going. You can start the journey, but you must persist. You must persist. Looking at our original passage, we see why the disciples didn't stay there in that moment. Because Christ cared so much about this world that he didn't want anyone to miss it. He didn't want anyone to perish. There were more people that needed to know that they could be present with the God of the universe. They were called to something greater. And Jesus explained a little bit more of what that meant that they had something greater to accomplish. We see it in the passage before in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You see, when you follow Christ, you recognize that he is better. His plan is better. But in order to recognize that you to recognize that you have to stop putting yourself first. We could be so enamored by making sure that our own needs and our own wants and our own desires are what we are at our full, at the focal front of our, our of our brain that we miss out the fact that the God of the universe who has a better plan for you wants to interact with you and wants to deliver you and wants to take you to that next level. So we end up spending all of our time getting Uh, uh, rocking ourselves snugly, making ourselves feel comfortable when in reality, God is saying, I have a better life. I have a better plan. All you have to do is start with me. Persist, and I will take you to what is next. I remember going back to, going back to the dome. I remember attending a couple of games there. Attending a basketball game, attending a football game. And I remember Syracuse being down 20 or 30 points. And so many people left that game. 
And they left maybe to beat the traffic, maybe to spare themselves the heartache because once again, Syracuse is losing. But wouldn't you know it, Syracuse came back in spectacular fashion. And they ended up winning the game. And all of those people who didn't persist, all of those people that could have seen something incredible ended up missing out because they didn't stay at that moment. For us, church, we have the promise that God will do incredible things, that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And so we have that promise today that incredible things will happen, but we just have to persist. We have to keep moving forward. And if we don't, we will truly miss out on something spectacular. Worship team, will you come up? Ultimately, when we ask ourselves what is next, we have to ask ourselves, what are we currently hanging on to that is, we're hanging on to tightly? That it is keeping us from submitting our lives to Jesus Christ, and it is keeping us from moving forward as he has called us. Church, for some of you, what's next is taking a look at your own individual life. For some of you, you have been struggling with sin for so long and the conviction of the Holy Spirit has come up again and again and again. And instead of submitting in that moment, you have resisted. Well, church, it's not too late. All you have to do is start. You just have to repent and say, my plan is not, is not healthy for me. I choose to worship God Almighty because you are worthy and I I know that whatever you have for me is better. Church, for you today, some of you need to take a look and say that there's something in there that isn't healthy and I am ready for what's next. For some of you, you have a life change that is coming up. It might be a change in employment. It might be a change in your residence. It might be that you have to say goodbye to somebody, either because it's an unhealthy relationship or you are, uh, our loved one is, for whatever reason, going away. But church, today, the God of the universe is here to comfort you so that you can be ready for that next step. Church, for some of you, you, God has been trying to get you involved in a ministry and you have been sitting on the sidelines for so long that now is the time for God to move you to that next step in ministry. It could be something that is completely different than, than, than what you were involved in or it could be that you are not currently involved in serving your fellow uh, brother and sister in the Lord. But today is the day for you to start. Church, finally, I want to talk about the ultimate next step. And that is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because if you're not there, if you haven't become a follower of Jesus, all of these things are great and all of these things are wonderful. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, then it's going to be impossible for you to take that next step. 
So church, today, the God of the universe is knocking on the door of your heart for you to become a follower of Jesus. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready for this next step in my life. Your plan is better and I want to follow you. 